the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. is on, and you are listening to a brand new New Generation Classified here, exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, well, my name is Chad, and it seems like every single week I'm joined here by the co-host for the week yet again, uh, this time going back and looking at what we do especially on this show is look back at old shows, look at the New Generation era, and there's only one guy who I can look at these SummerSlams with because he's in the middle of a heat wave. It's the one and only It's Husey. Hello, Mr. Adam Hughes. Uh, thank you for wearing at least a tank top. I appreciate that. Uh, it's actually, we call it a belly shirt. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess you could say that it's so warm that I'm becoming woozy. <laughs> uh, I guess you could say that it's so warm at night that I find it quite hard to go snoozy. <laughs> Uh, I guess you could say that it's so warm that I can't wait to get home to take off my shoesies. <laughs> I guess you could say, I, never mind, we'll get on with it. You know? Do you have your drink in a koozie? Huh? That's all I got. That's the only one I could think uh, of. <laughs> no, but I did drink one with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very nice. Well, we're going to talk about on the showsy here. We're going to go back and look at some Summer Slams. 93 to 96 fall into this era. Uh, I love the Summer Slam thought. I love it. Summertime, big pay per view, you know, school starting when you're a kid, it's a big deal. For me, I go back to the 80s. I go to 88, 89, and 90 is the ones that like really hold a special place for me for Summer Slam. Uh, but you did some homework. You went back and watched these shows. Um, was it nostalgia? Was it uh, a chore? What was it to go back and watch these shows? Well, well to be honest, um, between Royal Rumble to WrestleMania every year, I quite often become a giant mark all over again. And this year I get excited about the idea of the fans coming back to shows. Okay. So I thought, well, I'm going to check out this SmackDown, which ended up being great. I'm going to check out, and I watched Money in the Bank last night, which I fucking loved, which ended, spoiler alert, with newcomer John Cena debuting <laughs> to set up a huge match for SummerSlam next month. I'm uh, all excited about it. And to do this, but then uh, uh, getting back to your question, sorry, uh, I became quite nostalgic, as I always do. Uh, I like the back in the day, uh, especially Roots. Oh, wait, uh, delete that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I just loved old school wrestling. And back then, it was uh, even before the King of the Ring. It was uh, it used to be no pay-per-view after WrestleMania until SummerSlam. Right. <clears throat> so these rematches at the time seemed like huge, huge deals. You're like, holy shit, they're fighting again. It's going to be better. It's going to be bigger. And... Uh, SummerSlam, more often than not, is better than WrestleMania. 
You know, I tend to agree with that. I, I agree. I think that sometimes the WrestleMania hype, there's so much of it that doesn't always live up to it. SummerSlam was always in a different class and it was d- built differently, but almost, uh, I agree. I almost feel like it was built better than uh, WrestleMania. I do more of the Royal Rumble rewatch than I do, I think, anything else. It's always cool to go back and watch those Rumbles, see who was in there, who was out, you know, who was the surprise guy, blah, 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 blah. But SummerSlam, you kind of got a pretty stern and pretty uh, matter-of-fact card uh, each year. You got a couple what whatever matches, what are they doing on the shows. Uh, but going back and watching SummerSlam 93, 94, 95, 96, you see kind of uh, both sides of the coin when we talk about the new generation. 93 it was still a little bit of the remnants of the older years. By 96, it was mostly a new cast of characters, but not in firm roles. And there's a lot of stuff that we can go into. But starting with 93, uh, what was it you were looking back at the most? We well, talked about Luger, so what, were you, what are you looking forward to watching 93? Uh, well, uh, just uh, before we get to 93, I've got to say that uh, SummerSlam 92, which was, of course, the mega show held at Wembley Stadium in London, England. Uh, I think I was about six at the time when that came out. Uh, the, I've never seen hype for an event like that ever, uh, mostly because what they would do, and I didn't – this was so amazing looking back to it, the promotional campaign was so huge that the news would report the storylines as if it mm. was legitimate. And back then, we're all marks. We don't get that it's a work. And they would say stuff like, oh, last night, the, the uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior were attacked by the Nasty Boys. <laughs> you go, what? Mom, did you see this? And it's on the news, and it's being in there <laughs> reported alongside, like, murders, rapes, fucking <laughs> poly- and it's like, oh fuck, this is all real, I want to do them all. What? Yeah, it's like how it is now, with the way like ESPN reports stuff in storyline and now it's a little more ridiculous there, it's a little more, I don't know, um, it seemed more dignified I guess, because it wasn't really talked about anywhere else outside of our wrestling bubble, but yeah, SummerSlam 92 for you is going to be a completely different thing than it was for us. For us, it was like Oh, what do you mean we can't watch it at the time we're used to watching pay-per-views? I mean, I think they rebroadcasted it the next day at like 4 o'clock or something. It was on a delay, but it didn't have that same feeling that you had for literally 89, 90. And 91, I remember because, you know, the first uh, 88s in MSG, 89s at the Meadowlands, 90s in Philly, 91 is back at MSG. The one I remember the most being built up was 91 because that was the the wedding, the, the match made in heaven, the match made in hell. That had I feel like we had never seen a promotion up to that point. But now for you, it being the only non-US based pay-per-view on that side of the uh, the world, it is gonna be a big deal. So then 93, they just go, well, you know what? Forget what we did last year in the UK. We're back in America, baby. This is the Lex Express tour, a completely different vibe than one year earlier. It's all about America. Yeah, and that's actually uh, the, the first note that I have in my SummerSlam 93 section, because I'm a researcher. Uh it, it SummerSlam '93 is a was such a massive, massive step down in regards to roster hype build uh, and everything. It was like it just didn't seem like a special event. Apart from the main event, there was nothing. There really was nothing must see there. And even in hindsight, there's not much great about SummerSlam '93. Uh, I have some uh, notes to talk about. 
If you're interested. Oh, yeah, hold your notes. Well, let me just run through some of the highlights before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of your notes. It's got a lot of, like I said, random matches. Nothing that's really like popping off the page at you. Um, you know, yeah. Are you really excited about Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez, the WrestleMania rematch? Especially yes. the, the match where Giant Gonzalez turns face. <laughs> Not really interested in that. Um but there's hodgepodge matches, one, two, three, kid and IRS, you know, uh, DiBiase and Razor. Yes, they had a feud on TV, but we weren't dying for the match. And that's what you got on this show. Uh, Ludwig Borga and my and my man, Marty Jannetty. Not really looking forward to that. It's a building block for Ludwig Borga. Um, Brett and Doink was a good match, but you wanted your full Brett, Jerry Lawler. It was a bait and switch. I get it. That's fine. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Perfect on paper should have been amazing. Very lackluster and not what they probably have done a million other times at other shows. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Perfect thing. That's when you seen the, the real examples of Shawn Michaels, real life ego coming through where a, apparently he, they had originally wanted him to do the job to Mr. Perfect and he would get, and he refused and they went for that really stupid shitty uh, uh was it like a double dq or something it is Shawn michaels uh defeats mr perfect via countdown when diesel oh, yeah. uh threw the challenger into the steel ring post after the challenger rolled uh, the, the, yeah after the challenger call uh, excuse me after michaels rolled back in the ring and the, the interesting thing about sean in 93 was in terrible physical condition because he gained a bunch of weight apparently he was drinking a lot on the road he was uh he was not uh, the Shawn Michaels we knew before or after. He was out of shape. He he was blown up. He didn't look great. And it, it was a disappointing match because that's one of those ones that you always say to yourself, oh, what if, what if? And it did happen and it was shit. Yeah, but they had other matches. There's uh, one of the the you know unreleased match compilations has a, a match from this time period, and it's much better. It's basic, but it's much better. Yeah, and one another note that I've got here is uh, one, two, three, kid. With all that hype coming in off off the Razor Ramon thing, uh, you think, "Oh, this could be like the next baby." Oh, but and also, I've got to point out, one, two, three, kid has no eyebrows <laughs> yeah. at this show because of Kurt Hennig or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> yes, the infamous uh, uh, eye re eye eyebrow removal rib right before the photo shoot. <laughs> exactly. But the thing that stood out to me is that one, two, three kid lost the IRS. Yeah. Yep. So that's Clean. when you can tell the, the attitude of the click is starting to piss people off backstage. It just it makes no sense because he beats uh DiBiase or uh, beats Razor, uh PJ Walker, uh, aka just incredible beats DiBiase. So these guys are making fun of Razor Ramon for losing, but then they get beat by a jobber. But IRS is looking great. <laughs> IRS beats one, two, three kid in five minutes with his finish in the middle of the ring. So I mean, like um, IRS should get a world title shot. <laughs> and little did we know that at this time, IRS had a multi-million set of sperm. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's true. He just had a weird, like, little, uh, you know, toddler at that point. Uh, didn't get why he was talking. It was uh, his puppets. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, besides that, I mean, this show, uh, the Heavenly Bodies and Steiner Brothers match is very good. So I'm not going to say that's not. Um, the, the crowd is heavily behind the Steiners. What's Literally that? says best match, Steiners versus Heavenly Body. I, then yeah. so I wrote something racist underneath it, but never yeah. mind that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Dr. Tom says it all the time. That was you really, that put them on the map in the WWF. They were just the Smoky Mountain team at that point, but they could show they could have the best match on the card, which really they, they did. Um, didn't really translate at Survivor Series, but we're not talking about Survivor Series uh, at this point. But overall, for all the hype that we talked about last time you were on, when we were talking about Luger two times before that you were on, this was kind of lackluster, and it kind of falls into the 93 bin of, like, better on paper, not really executing that well. Yeah, and, and even, like, the, the whole thing about Brad Hart and uh, Jerry Lawler, that, that's the first example of what I would call uh, a mark match. Uh, as a as a kid, who the fuck is Jerry Lawler? I, I didn't know about the. You didn't the, know the history. Yeah, I didn't know about Memphis or the SWA. Uh, he came in. He's smaller than everyone. He's not muscular. He he looks way older than everybody. <laughs> when the original plan was uh, Hogan versus Brad Hart, and then right. instead they go with Brad versus Jerry Lawler. It's an insane, as I said earlier, step down. And then, of course, there's the classic, and we all know how much Chad goes on and on and on. Oh, King of the Ring 95, the greatest match of all time, the main event. Oh, all right, enough, Chad. <laughs> but what this match, and this is one of the things I, I don't understand. It's Tatanka and the Smoking Guns against the Head Shrinkers and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. I, I don't understand why it's even there. Like, it's just one of those typical time filler matches. Yeah. That they could have so easily meant something else with the storyline. No, it's nothing. It's just a, like I said, it's a random hodgepodge tag team match, which these summertime shows always have thrown in there. I mean, you can go back to the first one and see, you know, where many people clamoring for uh, ravishing Rick Rude and the Junkyard Dog <laughs> at the first SummerSlam. It's just one of those things they throw these in there, see if it's uh, you know gets gets a little bit of a uh, I guess a, an applause from the crowd, but. The show itself is, uh, yeah, it is it is what it is. It's the hype of the Lex Express. It doesn't deliver. Now, on the flip side, you know, for Lawler, I mean, uh, you know, I knew who Lawler was. Uh, and it, it is a good match if you follow up the, the 93 King of the Ring stuff with Lawler beating Bret up after he wins. But if we were to expect a Hulk Hogan-Bret Hart match, it's a drastic fall yeah. um, from not getting that. Absolutely. And I have to say, in regards to the big man, John Gonzalez, who we mentioned earlier, uh, I I always hear people go, but uh, he the fans were always dead. There was no reaction for him, and the reason was because when he would walk out to the ring, people would actually go, because <gasps> he's he's like the biggest man they've ever seen ever. So no one's going to mark out. They're just going to stir him and be like, yeah. "Holy shit! This this he's an actual giant." Yeah, and that- yeah, and and I have to give him well credit ish. This SummerSlam match is way better than the uh, the WrestleMania Nine one. <laughs> yeah. The fact that they did a rematch is shocking. Yeah, no, exactly. That's like with an asterisk. It was better with an asterisk because the other one was completely the shits, and this one was the shits, but a little bit not as much as the shits as the other one. As we move into, but it's SummerSlam- eight minutes. Eight minutes. 
Mm-hmm. That's now. How come the IRS one, two, three kid matches five? This got eight. <laughs> they had to add three for the entrance. I guess <laughs> three for each inch of uh, camera work they got to put in up his uh, his furry uh, dick area that they have to uh, get off of quick. Uh, I'm just giving you a heads up. Prepare yourself for a very controversial opinion in the '94 debate. <laughs> well, I will get to 94, absolutely. Uh, I want to just point out the Palace of Auburn Hills in, in Auburn Hills, Michigan, which has now since been uh, demolished uh, quite recently. Uh, it's a great venue for this. But again, if you're doing SummerSlam and you're doing this America, you know, patriotic thing, I'm not thinking Michigan, even though they go the car, the, you know, the cars are made in Michigan. No, it's why isn't this in Washington, D.C.? If they're going to do a stars and stripes run across the uh, the globe with the American hero, yeah. Well, what why didn't do? he win the fucking belt? Like, <laughs> spoke of, it's, it's, already it's, talked about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just baffling. Even today, I woke up in the nude chair. But why? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he does too. Every time he jumps into his chair, he thinks the same exact thing. Uh, speaking of nude, where's Francine? <laughs> uh, we're talking to Sonny right now as we speak. So. Yeah, <laughs> you want you 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 want access to that? I can get you access to that. <laughs> oh, I have to wear protection for that one. <laughs> uh, speaking of women, I yep. have to say that for SummerSlam '94, uh, and Berm, this is the night after uh, Money in the Bank 2021, where, we, where there was a genuine fucking five star uh, match. It was uh, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Okay. Uh, one of the greatest women's matches I've ever seen came from SummerSlam 94. It was Alondra Blaze versus was Bill Mikado. Is that the yes. name? Yep. It's fucking unbelievable. Uh, please elaborate. Why? Why uh, do you say at, that? I don't even that, think about it when you mention it. Yeah, at that time, they were doing moves that uh, we'd never seen before because uh, they were doing that more harder-edged uh, Japanese style where WWE was full-on in the cartoon era. Uh, whereas these women are going in and they're, they're doing really vicious belly-to-back suplexes, really brutal submission holds, top rope leg drops, uh, power bombs, all this shit. And it's fucking amazing to the point that the women, uh, much like last night, they kind of enter the silence and they leave to a completely marked out uh, arena, which is which is which uh, happens all the time there, man. <laughs> yeah, but in 94, nobody cared. Yeah, that was the and, thing. I mean, they only brought them out really for the big shows. Nobody gave a shit. And I'm not one to make a sexist comment, and I would never do such a thing. But that uh, Alundra Blaze, what a butterface! <laughs> I could see, uh, I could see what you're saying. I could absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily agree, but I could see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this show. So 1994, the uh, SummerSlam from the United Center. In Chicago, I feel like Mike Durban said he was at this show when he was on the air with me. I'm forgetting that. I maybe I want him to be at this show, perhaps. I <laughs> think he was. Well, my, Mike Durban is a notorious fake Undertaker. Mark, <laughs> he can't get an offer. He's always like, "Hey, man, the fake Undertaker, man. It was great, man. He's so chilled out, and he has all types of fake Undertaker merch around his boudoir." Yeah, how could you not? Now, th- this obviously, there's kind of a double main event aspect to it. Undertaker versus Undertaker. Brett versus Owen in a steel cage. Culmination of their big uh, summer and spring feud. Uh, 
But let me ask you this. The Leslie Nielsen sketches. I mean, you know, you, I know you're a fan of comedy. You're a fan of, uh, of the old school. Yeah, I, well, I hope so. Uh, you're a fan of, you know, old school uh, acts. What do you think about the, uh, the, the naked gun sketches coming to life at SummerSlam 94? Well, I, I remember some of the sketches being funny, but wasn't uh, OJ already on trial for murder at this time? See, OJ's the main guy missing from the naked gun element of this, and he was a little bit tied up uh, at this point in 94, or locked up in this point yeah. in 94. But now I'm out. I'm going to find the real killer. <laughs> speaking if of, I did it, this is how I would do it. Yeah, if I did kill the bitch, I would have broke a fucking neck. And, uh, uh, but... Uh, Speaking of black people and athletes, of course, the uh, what's the guy called Sweetness Walter Payton? Is that a person? Yeah, Walter Payton, uh, huge in the the world of the Chicago sports uh, element. Uh, he he absolutely is one of the greatest uh, NFL football players of all time. At this point, had just stepped away from the game only a few years earlier. Uh, massive reaction for him, especially getting into it at the end. So he's in the corner of Razor Ramon in the Intercontinental Title match against uh, IC and Tag Team Champion Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Now, let's point out, Diesel and Shawn Michaels, now World Tag Team Champions by defeating the Head Shrinkers on a house show. I knew that they had won the belts because I watched Regis and Kathy Lee that morning of SummerSlam, and they came out with the tag straps to then be whisked away to Chicago uh, to be at SummerSlam. But now double hold, title holder Diesel and Razor Ramon, I thought this was the best match of the show. I love this match. This match, I've got it written down here. It's a fantastic match. Uh, it's my favorite WWE Kevin Nash match. Uh, and also, when you see how cool Kevin Nash was, it really is baffling that it didn't take off the year, the next year when he was the champ. Right. But I have, like, when you see him with the, those two belts on him, it's like, that guy's a fucking star. But the big question I have is, why is Kevin that? Why did uh, Diesel and HBK get the tag belts? They never defended them ever. I guess it was probably just to make Diesel look as what you said, as cool as Diesel was. And at that point, you could say, why don't they put the belt on this guy? He's just oozing cool. He's definitely different than what the WWF had been portraying for the last year since like the Hogan era changed over. But they never, they never defend the belts. They have them. They don't really do anything with them. And, and Michaels isn't really wrestling at this point. So it's it's the kind of thing where it's a it's a question mark. But what are the head shrinkers going to do with them at this point? Yeah, it, it it was it was a silly move, but that match is really good. And and I've always said that uh, Kevin Nash is like the Ben Affleck of pro wrestling. That uh, he's not good that often, but when he is good, it's fucking amazing and incredibly rewatchable. And uh, I got. I got a uh, just a quick tangent. Can you imagine being bad, Ben Affleck about twenty years ago, and you're banging uh, Jennifer Lopez, and you get rid of her, and you think, ah, fuck. Well, at least they did that. Twenty years later, he comes back, gets her again, and she looks exactly the same. <laughs> and he's Batman now, on top of it. So he's uh, yeah, he's got that going for him. <laughs> fuck him. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's unbelievable, especially where how bad their uh, their relationship uh, turned out movie wise. Uh, yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Well, yeah, you mentioned Batman, of course, who's a superhero, but the real American hero, Alex Luger, was also on this card. And we what, was this he? <laughs> We've never <laughs> talked about it before. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the greatest storylines of all time 
Lugo versus the Tonka, the matches, whatever. The storyline twist is great. Uh, and of course, Luger got no revenge. No, he gets his ass kicked. 54% of fans polled thought that Lex Luger sold out to the million dollar man. I mean, this, I think this could be the most talked about topic on this show. I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. I could not believe that Tatanka was turning heel. Yeah. Uh, but 54% of people also thought that he sold out. Yeah, I, I believe that, that Tatanka slash Conan was right. <laughs> uh, are you ready for my uh, uh, controversial opinion? I would love to hear your controversial opinion now about Tatanka or Tatanka and Conan. Where, where are we at? Uh, SummerSlam 94. Let's, let's Just, hear it. Uh, Brad Hart versus Owen Hart is widely overrated. Okay. I, it, I would I would happen to agree with you that it's not at the top of my list as it relates to Bret Hart versus Owen Hart matches. Now it's terms being rated. I mean, I kind of never had an argument for it either way. So Yeah. I just think that it's, it's what, 45 minutes long. There's way too many rest holes. And I just think, like the the I think that the finish is great when the family runs in and then and they're beating up Brett while the bulldog makes his big return and I love that shit. Yeah, but it, it's just uh, it's strange to me that uh, you know uh, that, that it's considered this classic because like there's a lot of this this is how long the match goes right. Uh, Owen Hart's sweat dries up. <laughs> yeah, it's th- technically 32 minutes and eight seconds, but entrances and all the hullabaloo going on uh, makes it probably feel like that 45 minutes. Now, the best part of that is all the Hart brothers getting knocked off the cage uh, yeah. and just watching them take the bumps from, you know, like mid cage level. I, I always love that, especially that one doofy looking brother. I can't remember which one it is. Um, it's be, we need to be way. By the way, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and say it. Owen Hart was uh, somebody else's kid. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why? He, why? <laughs> he looks nothing like his mom or dad, and he has blue eyes and blonde hair. <laughs> but he's, all those other brothers have like weird, like even the sisters have like weird Brett elements to them where, you know, you could see the, the females with the stringy hair. You know, you might think it's a uh, Bret Hart and drag or something, but I, I could see that. But this match... Yeah, it's not the best one. It's long. I could see why they wanted to have it in a cage just because that's where these feuds ended, even though this really wouldn't end. Um, Placement-wise, it's good that this wasn't the main event because it was so long, but if I could do it over, I would have flipped and put this at the end versus The Undertaker, Mm. Undertaker, just because it's not really... Yes, it's a surprise return that it's The Undertaker with the new costume and the lights going out for the first time, all that stuff. But I would have flipped these personally just because it's the world title should get the main event spot. Definitely. But at the same time, you know, it, it's The Undertaker. And Brett really wasn't uh, drawn like he likes to tell people he was. Yeah, but what do you think got people in the building there? Was it a cage match culminating uh, a, a title feud with, uh, between two brothers who had a classic at WrestleMania? Or is it that a, a fake Undertaker was uh, parading around Monday Night Raw and superstars every so often, and that the real Undertaker would be coming back. It was fans of Naked Gun 33 and a third. <laughs> yeah, you think that's what it was? Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you could say that, uh, you know, uh, the Jeff Jarrett and uh, Mabel 
uh, country versus rap feud got them into the uh, into the building. You know, let's say, hey, that guy's a country guy. That guy's a rapper. Let's put them in a match and say it's a battle of uh, the two genres. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Jard and Mabel had sex that night and give birth to a child. And that child grew up to be Conrad Thompson. <laughs> Jarrett worked better with Mabel than he does with uh, with Conrad, oddly enough. Yeah, you, you got to say that uh, uh, Conrad Thompson, he's a hip-hop fan from Alabama. I think he's probably said the N-word more than anybody alive. <laughs> Is he a, he's a hip-hop fan? Yeah, hey, you like the DMX. Like, Shut yeah. up. <laughs> I, I'd picture him like a Brooks and Dunn fan or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Marshall Tucker band. <laughs> I like hip-hop, you know, Uncle Cracker. <laughs> Dave Meltzer says he's Brooks and Dunn because he can't shop at the Brooks Brothers, but I won't go into why he can't <laughs> shop there. Uh, all right, so uh, yeah, another Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS defeat the Head Shrinkers, so they're on a losing streak. They lose the belts and they lose to this makeshift team at uh, at SummerSlam. Uh, let's see what else we got here. You know, that's really it. I didn't mention the dark match of the '93 uh, King of uh, SummerSlam. We'll mention it, I guess, in a little bit. But Adam Bomb defeats Quang. In the dark match of this uh, this card, does it do anything for you? Yeah, but th that's how you know that Adam Bomb is being buried because uh, <laughs> wasn't it in '94 he had this temporary TV feud with Bret Hart? Temporary by what? Like a match? They and they passed each other like in a in an interview segment or something? <laughs> yeah, and even more as a burial. Uh, when uh, you can see it in the background after Macho Man's doing one of his pre-show things. Uh, yeah. Adam Adam Bombs walking to the back in the background. It's like they wouldn't even give him entrance music. He's like, hey, uh, we'll get <laughs> Stephanie McMahon backstage. I'm gonna now, go say hello. That's a great point. The Macho Man is the host of this show, and this is it. We never see him on WWF television, uh, pay per view wise. After this, he's not at the Survivor Series. He's gone. So yeah. is this being his last pay pay per view appearance. Very lackluster. They couldn't throw the Macho Man in a match against Quang on the pay-per-view just for the Macho Man pop in, in a building like that? It's it's crazy, especially considering the Macho Man was at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, it really is. But here's another fun Crush, he's gone. So guys that were on that WrestleMania show are are very it's a different it's a different looking crowd than yeah. it was even six months earlier. Yokozuna was gone. Yep, no Yoko, no crush. I mean, Luger's on his way down. You know, Macho Man's just a host. It's a, it's a weird, weird, weird show. No, uh, no the Piper taken over. Yeah, Piper, who was at uh, King of the Ring, not even mentioned. Jerry Lawler is is on commentary. He's not even, you know, in the uh, in the match fold at this point. So it's it's very odd. Um, but let's move on. Ninety five uh, at Pittsburgh, probably the least memorable of any of these outside of one match. But before we talk about that, I have to mention the fact that. My buddy, the Dean, only relegated to backstage segments in his hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where this is basically where he officially started as the Dean. He did the vignettes, but this is where he then ended up going on the road after this at Pittsburgh, but not used in any capacity on the show outside of a backstage segment. Yeah, it's uh, very, very strange, but I've got to say that this was uh, at a time when WWE business was down, but I remember this event quite fondly. I, uh, there was a lot of, it felt, of course, this is the new generation podcast, but this is when it really felt uh, new. There was a lot of like homegrown original stars. Different. And uh, 
a perfect example was uh, the opening match, which I've got a, a which had a very strange result. It was the one, two, three kid versus Hakushi, which was excellent. And for some reason, uh, Hakushi goes over, but I have a feeling that because he not only won the match, he get this huge pop from the crowd. So I think that the click maybe had him buried. Well, they turned him face and they made him uh, associate of Barry Horowitz two months later. So he was done. He was done after this. It was very, it was such a fall from grace that three months earlier, he's in a main event feud with Bret Hart here. Yeah. He, he beats the one, two, three kid in the opening match and the match is pretty damn good, yeah. but he's done. You, you could be right. Cause he's done after this. They, they, they do nothing with him. And especially he had the, uh, this bump where he did like a, a cartwheel somersault or sorry, a cartwheel backflip over the top rope to the floor. Uh, and for a long, long time, that was used in the opening video packages for like uh, video, you know, the video montages of exciting mm -hmm. WWE action. And they would, they would use that. And uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's strange, but he is such uh, cool music. Great look. Uh, Hakushi was great. He was no, he was definitely good, but he was yeah, maybe he was buried for all that because he's he's basically done after this. He's a baby face. He's he's a nameless, faceless baby face at the Survivor Series, teaming with Barry Horowitz, and they lose all the time. They get beat all the time. Now I'll tell you, there's actually a Raw match, one two three kid and Hakushi in November when the one two three kids a heel and the kid gets the win back, and that's not even mentioned that they faced off at SummerSlam. Uh, but of course, you mentioned Barry Horowitz, who also on the card wrestled uh, Skip from the Body Donners. Yeah, I have to give uh, a little round of applause to Sonny in this. Uh, Tamlin Stitch, of course, upcoming guest of Eyes Up Here. Uh, she is fucking incredible at this. Like she, she's the original white girl with the big arse. <laughs> like, uh, and that's why I think so. Good looking that you can watch her stuff back, and then she's I was gonna say aged so well, but she actually hasn't. But I meant her footage like she's it holds up or she doesn't look like 70s skinny or whatever, right? My, a, a more modern looking vintage clip is that what you're trying to say? That you could drop her right now in, in 2021 and get the same response. Oh, yeah. Now, we talked about this last week. Of course, you heard it on the episode with Johnny Candido, uh, Chris's brother, that we, we met. Yes, he loses on this show. And it was, again, to Barry Horowitz. His first loss is to Barry Horowitz. The thing that we didn't understand, and Johnny even was in the same vein as me thinking this, Candido only debuts like a month and a half before this. So he goes on a, quote, winning streak, but then he loses two in a row to Barry Horowitz. And it's great for a guy who'd been in the company for 10 years as a, as a jobber. But now he's, they basically killed Skip about yeah. and a half into him getting started. And that's what kind of sucks about the story of Chris Candido. Would you like to know why? Does it have anything to do with somebody in the ladder match? It, it, it's called it's called HGH. And it's not human growth hormone. It's called hot girl hate. <laughs> if you are in the industry and you have a gorgeous uh, wife or girlfriend, you're going to get buried. Like, look at Mark Miro. Look at, and then look at Rusev. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't happen to uh, fucking Killer Cross. Happened to John Morrison. Because uh, your guy, your guy Candido had everything. He was a good wrestler. He looked great. He was handsome. Uh, he could do promos and stuff. And they used him like shit. Yeah. And while his girlfriend was fuck 
six different ways from here to next Sunday by numerous people. That's very true. Um, but it's uh, a very it's a huge shame. But if you haven't listened to any previous episodes of the show, go back and listen to uh, the Body Donna episode where we talk about Chris Candido's entire run in the WWF with his brother, Johnny, who experienced the whole thing with him. Johnny's around our age, so he saw it from that perspective and uh, mm-hmm. pretty interesting takes. Uh, other things that stand out in the show, first WWF pay-per-view appearances for one Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and one Isaac Yankum DDS, otherwise known as my boy, the Big Red Machine, the mayor himself, Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane. Yeah, you got to – Isaac Yankum is such a dumb name, and you could, you could think of, like, uh, the, the, the rumored gimmicks Disco Inferno has, like uh, the Bill Ding thing, yeah. and then they'll go, <laughs> oh, that's so dumb. It's like they had a fucking evil dentist. <laughs> Isaac Yankum, you get it? He yanks the teeth out. Yeah. Uh, but he's hey, debuting uh, against Bret Hart. I got I got an idea for a character called uh, Peter File, <laughs> and uh, he he tries to grab the kids in the front row, and then the baby face kicks his ass, and uh, the kid runs back to his parents. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. I I, yeah. I I can get behind it, but okay. Isaac Yankum. Let's stay let's stay, let's stay on topic here. Debuts against Bret Hart, who last year was in a steel cage battling his brother in a death feud. This year, he's fighting Jerry Lawler's personal dentist. Is this almost like the Lex Luger treatment that Luger got from 93 to 94, but now it's Bret, and <laughs> we won't talk about Luger, where he is in 95, but the Bret 94 to 95, is that's a pretty big fall-off, too. Yeah, his his 1995 is bizarre. Uh from the way it begins to the way it ends, it is not a good time for a fan or him really match quality wise. And it's it's kind of a thing where it's like, uh, he's a big complainer, but you can see why. And there's a, there's a lot of this event uh, where, where you could tell that the influence of the click was, uh, was really taken over, which we'll get to in a couple of points. Uh, well, their influence uh, really didn't change the uh, the main event uh, opponent, and obviously King Mabel wins the King of the Ring in '95. Uh, Thank God. Would you wax poetic that my favorite main event of all time is uh, King of the Ring uh, tag team match? Disagree, but that's okay. Uh, but their influence was definitely seen in the ladder match. Uh, we have said this before. I think this is the better of the two ladder matches. The outcome Whoa. is different. I like this one more. I don't know why. I like this one a lot more. Um, outcome is different. Shawn Michaels defeats his buddy, Razor Ramon, in a ladder match in 24 minutes, 58 seconds after avoiding an attempt at the Razor's edge and backdropping the challenger to the floor. Thoughts on this ladder match? Uh, this match is a perfect example of, of the clicks backstage power because if you go back and watch some of those Raws from 95, so I remember watching one. And the match announced was uh, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Sid, right? And then it just randomly changed to Brett as uh, to Shawn versus uh, Razor, right? And uh, well, and all Sid does is stand backstage and watch a monitor. Do- doesn't try to interfere, do anything. Does nothing. Uh, I-, I think it's a great match. And one of the big rumors I'd always heard was that one of the things Vince wanted to do with Scott Hall. In 96, had he hung around, was he wanted to do a third ladder match for the WWF title with, with Sean, which would have been great, but sadly, 
uh, Scott Hall decided to go make a shitload of money instead. Yeah, no, and change the course of history and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. You know, what would he have done, though? Job for the uh, uh, for the second time? Because there's no way in 96 he's beaten uh, HBK for that uh, that title. That's that's would have been interesting. Maybe it would have been a hill, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Sort of. Uh, but I have to say, also on this card, very underrated match I was felt was Undertaker versus Kama. Casket match. Why? Why do you use that phrase to describe this match? I don't know. It's just that uh, out of all the, the matches Undertaker's had, people always going about the Foley's and the Hell in the Cells and the Shawn Michaels and stuff. But there's, there's some great matches he's had, uh, even from this kind of shitty era. That are that are really quite good and and this this is a great one because it's a a casket match they can cut corners and they can not just do all tactical wrestling which uh, Papa Shango wasn't that great at but you know you know uh, this this is a good match that I would say people should uh, check out tonight while listening to this pod yeah it's definitely it's forgotten in terms of the undertaker matches it's a little long that's another reason why i think it does get forgotten it's not bad but it's his boy that's why he had a great match them it's his buddy they're having a uh, a casket match they don't have to do what you said they don't have to chain wrestle and catch his catch can uh dead man versus i guess uh ufc style fighter um but yeah it's not bad this pay-per-view overall it's not awful but it's not great uh, and your uh, your favorite from SummerSlam 94, Alundra Blaze. She's on this card as well. She loses the belt to one Bertha Faye. Uh, yeah. Thoughts I, on that? That that I remember that match. Actually, we watched that a couple of days ago. Uh, Bertha Faye is the worst seller ever, ever <laughs> in wrestling. She sold worse than fucking Chris Benoit's parenting book. <laughs> Okay. It, it, yeah, she she could not like, like someone would if you kick her or throw a punch at her, she would just stand there. You could visibly see her talking about going to the next spot, and and the she basically has to suplex herself at the for the finish, which was funny. And Bertha, uh, I mean, at some point, and then she gets the title. But that's usually how shit women's wrestling was at the time, where there was nothing else to do. But it's like right, uh, Alondra Blaze wrestles this person. Loses, gets the belt back. Then another person comes in, beats her, and then she gets the belt back. And it's like, yeah, women's wrestling was not happening in uh, the 90s. She also looks like she smells worse than the Martin family walking through a thrift shop. Oh, my God. Clean your tits. <laughs> like, if you're going to wear a low-cut top in the second-hand shop, make sure you don't have spots on your tits. You <laughs> fucking hog. I heard that a, a sardine was thrown in her mouth. <laughs> I thought that was just a bad breath, but yeah, I heard it when she came in. Uh, everyone put a face mask on, and they says COVID. They go, "Nope, your face." <laughs> Doctor Isaac Yankin will see you now to fix that halitosis. I know. Why would they, of all people, not wear a mask? I thought he was like some Black Lives Matters COVID saving fucking hippie, and, and instead they're out rubbing their their pus tits on fucking secondhand condoms or whatever they were buying. You got me. You got me. But hey, a night free of uh, responsibility. That's a hell of a thing to get in these days. It's tough. It's a tough thing when you're a parent, you know? You but that. that's the thing. I don't even have kids, but to get a free time, that's why I'm jealous of that low life scumbag worm, <laughs> Mike Durban. Like, when's the last time you came home and could and say, you know what? I'm going to watch whatever I want on TV. <laughs> like, when's the last time you did that? I, I couldn't tell you. 
I, know, I, I couldn't I, tell you. I I haven't watched anything without negotiation in years. That's why I just watched Sex Life on Netflix. What do you think I had to say in that? <laughs> I Although, like that. <laughs> I, I am watching uh, uh, Money in the Bank highlights again tonight. And if anyone says differently, it's OJ time. <laughs> How about this? There's 17,000 people at SummerSlam 95. Do you believe that? Even slightly. They say new attendance record for the uh, the Pittsburgh Civic Arena. Classic venue. But it's actually it's 18,062 with 17,000 paid. It, it's not a... It was not a great time. Like the, the crowd's loud, though. And, of course, the, the only good thing about the uh, main event is when Nash loses his temper in the middle of it and you hear him shout, you stupid motherfucker, <laughs> at the top of his voice, and you go, yes. <laughs> they did not like Mabel. Mabel did not belong anywhere in this uh, this title picture. Before we move on to 96, and that's the last one on this little, uh, this little, this little list we got here, who are you going to book? in place of Mabel in that match uh, to main event SummerSlam 95. Pick somebody. They can already be booked in a match on this show. Just You can change the main event if you could right now. Uh, I would have gone with uh, a rematch of Diesel versus Scott Hall. Okay. From, from the previous year's SummerSlam. Yeah, only this one's for the belt, and they're both baby faces. Uh, because, and Sid versus Shawn Michaels would have been the... Uh, I see title match. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. I agree with that. How about if you know if you knew Luger was leaving, you could have beat Luger on the way out. That that would have been good. But then at the same time, uh, I remember the Bulldog turned tail right Bulldog, before this. Not even on the show, but just turned heel like two weeks before. Yeah, really, really weird booking. That they should have had a Bulldog versus Luger match. Makes no Sid. sense. Makes no uh, sense. Terrible. So Luger, Sid. And the Bulldog, no Owen Hart, no Yokozuna on this show. No Tatanka. No they could have had a rematch. Right, he was phased out by this point. He was already kind of on the way out. But so, like I said, Dean Douglas didn't wrestle. Uh, you got no Sid wrestling. You got no Luger wrestling. Not even in a dark match or anything. You got no Yoko. You got no Owen Hart. It's kind of like, you know, what, what are we missing here? Yeah, it's like if you're not down with the click, we've got two words for you. <laughs> Backstage. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow, gone already. He was in the main event, you know, two months before. So, yeah. you know, well, he's almost gone. He's about to lose and be on his way out. Bam um, Bam versus Diesel could have worked. That could have been a quick turn. It could have been anything. The Mabel one sucked, bottom line. Yeah. Uh, all right, 96, the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. Another one, 17,000 in attendance. My, my buddy Chris was in attendance for this one. Um, famous for Shawn Michaels versus Vader. The, uh, mm -hmm. the, 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 the childishness, I guess you could say, the unprofessionalism of a world champion to stop three times to call out the guy he's wrestling. Uh, killed Vader in the WWF without a doubt. But we'll start at the top and work our way backwards. Thoughts on, uh, on this match? Uh, I thought this match was excellent, but this is when uh, I remember as a kid the the kayfabe started to wear off because you're just like, how the fuck did Shawn Michaels beat Vader? Yeah, like like there's no way, and that's when as a kid I remember starting to go, maybe this is fake, <laughs> and logically they should have had Vader beat him, and then Shawn wins it back down the line, but. It was, uh, it, but the thing is, it, there's a great uh, Jim Cornette 
watch along that he did did on his YouTube yes. channel. Yes, agreed. and uh, the the stuff he points out in this match that I hadn't noticed before, it, it's fucking excellent. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that being said, it is a great, great match. But uh, Shawn Michaels seemed to be this thing where you know he so badly, badly wanted to be the top guy, and then you get the job as the top guy, and you're not doing the top guy role. You're not drawing. You're not selling venues out, and I think. Uh, do you know what date this was? This is August 18th, 96. Right, right. So the NWO had already started. They're just they're getting ready for uh Hogwild 96, uh, where Hogan wins the belt from the giant, and then the rest is history. Right, right. So they're getting killed in the ratings. Shawn Michaels is doing this dancing stripper gimmick while <laughs> uh, Hogan's doing this cool as fuck uh gangster gimmick. It's uh, he, he must have uh and you can just tell that his ego was on display, despite the fact that the match is quite, quite good. Now, how about a couple of oddities on this show? Yokozuna, who's now a babyface at this point and, and massively, massively overweight and not being used, loses to Steve Austin, who wins the King of the Ring only two months earlier in the free-for-all when the rope breaks and he falls on his butt and uh, Austin gets the pin. A dramatic fall for Yokozuna, but for a guy like Austin who's getting pushed, not really the hottest start in the world that he's on the free-for-all. And not only that, this was before the classic glass breaking music. This is uh, still ringmaster. Yeah, he still get that like suspenseful stuff. Plus, this has been stone cold. I don't know if anyone remembers his logo gear. Where yeah, he had he had his name written stone cold text. Yeah, all over his tights and stuff. And yeah. uh but the thing it's actually a good match, uh, Austin versus Yoko while while it goes on. It's a minute and fifty three seconds. Exactly. Well, speaking of uh, uh, stuff that's barely a minute, uh, also on the free for all, I remember there was this thing. It was like called the the, the beach party. Yes, the beach. That, yeah, the beach bikini party or beach blanket party or something like that. Yeah, there, there's a part where we're sunny for whatever reason. Was sunbathing even with she being held backstage, <laughs> and, and she's lying there and like this fucking thong. Uh, she looks unbelievable, un fucking believable, and uh, it's and for some reason that is scrubbed online, and I need it. If someone can find that footage, send it to me. Of just the uh, the sunbathing. Yeah, it's just like it's like a slow zoom in on that big arse of hers. Oh my god, I loved her. I was upset. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> you said it's a heat wave going on over there, right? This is you. Uh, you said earlier. I'll believe you. Uh, uh, didn't realize that uh, heat waves make you should come randomly. <laughs> Yuck! So right. uh, there's uh, there's a few things on this show. Ahmed Johnson, uh, who was the Intercontinental Champion, gets uh, taken off of TV for injury purposes. Uh, so the Intercontinental title is in limbo. Um, yeah. Really, what if he would? What would he have added to the show? Uh, because again, these are some weird matchups. You get uh, Sid and the Bulldog, maybe in a match that could have been a year earlier. <laughs> you know, that's kind of in there. Another one, Owen Hart and Salvio Vega, both not on last year's card. They have a mm-hmm. random opening match. It's it's these random. I see. I like them, but I don't like them. I like them looking back, but at the time, it was like, why? Why are we having this yeah. match? Having this match. Well, I think that the plan was Hamed Johnson versus Farouk, but uh, th- this is where we get kind of controversial. Where uh, do you have you ever heard the reason why uh, 
Ron Simmons beat the shit out of Hamid Johnson like that? No, well, you t- well probably, but you t- let's enlighten the listeners. I don't want to. Well, Bruce, like- well, uh, Bruce Pritchard. Uh, there's a sunny episode of um, uh, so what's the name of their show? Something to wrestle with. Sure. And Conrad asked him. He didn't say the n word. Uh, Conrad asked him about the infamous rumors about Hamid Johnson and Sonny. And what happened was allegedly a Hamid Johnson knew drug dealers and could get people the stuff. And one day, Sonny and uh, Candido came looking for, I don't know, pills or whatever the fuck with, with no money. And instead of being like, we'll get to the money next time, they, they traded Sonny. Yes, I have heard that. Yeah, and the story goes is that Hamid was really rough with her, really uh, kind of not brutalized her, but he was not a gentleman to her at all. And word got around. And that's one of the reasons why Shawn Michaels and uh, Hamid Johnson's on-screen duo uh, split apart and why uh, Ron Simmons beat the shit out of him on live TV, like right in the fucking kidneys. Right in the kidneys. And they played it over and over and over and over again, almost like beating the B-roll to death. They played that literally every week for, for months. Yeah. And plus, uh, this is when I started noticing the change in Sunny. Uh, she was always like the, this fucking gorgeous, sexy, like sort of party girl. But the, there's a promo that, uh, Farouk, as he was called, and Sonny doing the show, and let's just—we'll not name names—but from past experiences, there, man, we've seen what it's like when someone's clearly under the influence. There, man, mm-hmm. uh, on screen, uh, she shows all the symptoms in this promo of being fucked up. Her pupils are dilated. Her jaw can't stay still. Her tongue seems to be moving. Well, more than when she's speaking like that, she's kind of speak like that. Mm-hmm. Like, she's fucked up. She looks amazing, and that uh, you could just tell that something was up with Sunny, and that maybe it was the uh, getting brutally raped. It probably <laughs> didn't uh, help her mood. The somas, uh, and I'm sure the Vicodins and the alcohol probably also might have played a little bit of a mm-hmm. factor. Perhaps, perhaps, but we weren't there, so. We can't uh, we can't speculate for sure. All right, a couple more points about this before we, we say goodbye. Uh, Mankind Undertaker, Boiler Room Brawl. Uh, Paul Bearer turns on The Undertaker. Um, for a fan in attendance, not the best uh, thing to, to experience, the Boiler Room Brawl. But nonetheless, iconic moment, Undertaker and Paul Bearer split up after six years on screen together. Yeah, one of the most shocking twists ever. I don't think anybody could have predicted that coming. I didn't see it coming. Uh, and I remember how perfect it was, and that fucking Mick Foley, like as annoying as he can be online, he really is amazing. That match is great. Uh, again, it's more made for TV than the uh, the, the ticket buyer, but they need to fucking uh, like like that. That's one of the matches that people talk more about the Hell in the Cell, but like there's a bit where they throw a legitimate gallon of hot coffee at the undertaker yeah <laughs> yeah there was a lot going on in this i mean there's there's some big bumps too there's a bump off a ladder for mick foley there's uh you know it's just a lot of heavy heavy 
you know, items being used, but it gets lost because of hell in a cell. But these guys had great matches. Even their King of the Ring match was pretty damn good in 96. That is a great match. Yeah, but it's it gets forgotten because, I mean, there's this one giant leap off a cage that took the place of it. Uh, also, there's a great matches I've got to say in this. The opening match we kind of skipped over was Savio Vega versus Owen Hart. Uh, it's pointless. There's no storyline, but it's excellent. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah, it's, it's very good, but there's there's just no points. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the thing because a lot of people go on about wrestling today. It's like, oh, why aren't they pushing this guy? Why aren't they doing more with that guy? What, he's doing nothing. They've always done nothing with people. Like they 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 rarely push the people that they you think should. Yeah, and you could say that about a lot. Um, yeah, with these, uh, uh, with these matches, there's a there's a four way tag match. Uh, which the only highlight of it being is that the smoking guns are there. Uh, they were so great as heels, and that's when you could see Billy Gunn really developing that personality. Yeah, no, I like that. I like them as heels. I like them as heels for sure. Sorry, yeah. I give you your burp time to uh, to, to breathe. <laughs> I don't want to know what it smells like on your end. <laughs> oh God, my end. But uh, yeah, but the. Uh, but I remember that match being strange because that was literally uh, WWE had four tag teams and they're all in the same match, which then led to Owen Hart and the Bulldog forming a tag team. And thankfully, it changed up the uh, the division yeah. for a while. So Absolutely. that was good. And the other the other note I've got is the, the Jake Roberts versus Jerry Lawler match. It's, it's not a very good match, but this is a perfect example of uh, Mark Henry was on commentary and it's the perfect example of someone being completely unprepared <laughs> for what he's doing. He's laughing his arse off at all the, the insulting jokes despite being a baby face. Apparently Vince was literally nudging him like that, going going like Arr. like you're not supposed to do that, you dumb cunt. But uh Yeah, he provides nothing to this. He, no, no reason. And would face Jerry Lawler the next month at Mind Games in his uh, in his pay per view debut, um, and, and again, this wasn't the blow off either for the Jake um, Lawler feud. They would have a match on Raw, which should have been what they did at this show, where Jake pretends like he's drunk, and the mm -hmm. bell rings, and he's not drunk. He hits a DDT, and that's the end of it. Uh, that should have been the blow off for this. This match is just kind of it's on here, but the Mark Henry thing is like, what did he, what did he really provide? Yeah, it was uh, it was not good. It was a bad match. Mark Henry's making a dick out of himself. But at the same time, that's what makes it so uh, rewatchable. But at the same time, do you ever get the feeling that that was uh, WWE's way of trying to steal back from WCW, that audience who wanted to see the older names? Yes, 100%. Even though Jake was there earlier in the year, it was a kind of, I thought even then it was that point of, okay, well, who's got, well, Mr. Perfect was back as a commentator. Jake was then coming back as a performer. Absolutely. You're bringing back some familiar faces that were there in the glory days. Thousand percent because WCW legit had everybody else. Yeah. At that point. And uh, I think it was 96 when Macho Man left WCW temporarily. And then. Yeah. They'd been renegotiating. Yeah, could have been was, interesting. Yep, there was a thought he was going to be the surprise uh, teammate at uh, Survivor Series '96, which ended up being Superfly Jimmy Snuka. So yeah, Ralph Ralph Serrato. 
<laughs> not really uh, the same impact. Nonetheless, uh, people thought for weeks it was going to be the Macho Man who was going to come back. But can you imagine if he comes back and it was in like a random Survivor Series match, nameless, faceless Survivor Series match, where uh, I believe that's the match where you know this one guy debuted with funny hair. It just name escapes me at this point. Oh, uh, the Tooth Fairy. Yeah, the guy, the Tooth Fairy. Um, in a couple of those uh, Furious movies, whatever. Vin yeah. Diesel, was that it? Yeah, and he teamed up with Barry Windham with the worst <laughs> ring gear ever. What the <laughs> fuck? We're in a WWF t-shirt and a Hulk Hogan mustache. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, well, let's look at it. So 93, 94, 95, 96. Which would you put at the top of your rewatch list of this new generation era? Uh, it's got to be 96. Okay. I just think that there's, there's, despite the the illogical booking, match quality wise, it's great. Uh, Taker Mankind was an amazing feud. Uh, of course, getting to see Sonny was it's always always nice. Uh, I, I just think that 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 would be the one for me, and I've immediately forgot every single match. Oh Fine. yeah, Bulldog versus Sid was great too. And we also had uh, we did we neglected to mention uh, as well that there was also a match with Goldust and Mark Merrow on this '96 uh, card. Yes, so. Marlena and Sable yeah, for so, the biggest hits right. in the history of the business. That's right. I would go with SummerSlam '94. That that would be very close second for me. So I would say that you got your Tatanka Luger, you got your Undertaker, Undertaker, all the Leslie Nielsen stuff, the the Hart saga. Fast forward through the middle of the match, get to the end where the Hart brothers are getting knocked off the cage. You won't be disappointed, especially the guys that hadn't worked in a long time. It's very funny. Their selling is uh, is quite uh, quite off. Yeah. Um, but that's the SummerSlams, man. Yeah, they, they were great. I love them. Uh, I'm genuinely. Uh, at the, the time of recording this, excited for SummerSlam 2021. Uh, it's great. You know, uh, I've got high hopes for it. Uh, I've heard that The Rock is going to be there, the, the Furious guy. You know, I'm I'm excited for what's to come, and I haven't really said that about wrestling in a long time. Good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I uh, will take your word for it, and we'll check out the highlights afterwards uh, for <laughs> sure. Uh, how about should I play the SummerSlam theme music over the intro to this show for about 12 minutes at about a 50% uh, volume ratio? Yeah, I actually want you to do that. I hope you're not joking because I love that music. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> I will not. No, I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, all right. All right. Before we say goodbye, where can we find you? What's going on, Husey? Uh, it's uh, so, uh, you can find me at the Hughie on Twitter, on Instagram, and wait, what? Yeah, at the Hughie on Twitter and Instagram. Find me on YouTube at Hughie Entertainment. There's a whole lot of uh, just at the minute. There's a video up about how Pat Patterson allegedly raped Roddy Piper, which is always fun to watch over lunch. <laughs> uh, check out Keeping One Hundred Official on YouTube. That's uh, the best. Yeah, YouTube channel in the world. Thank you very much. Uh, check out Get My Go on YouTube and check out my podcast. Uh, it's Hughie Hello, which is really the most recent podcast you'll ever hear. 
It is a big one with Earl Skakel uh, talking about uh, Brody Piper. Like you said, I uh, will be checking that out uh, f- for the stories, not for the Earl Skakel, but for the stories. <laughs> yeah, is that right, that podcast? I, don't, I just see it popped up on my screen right here. I'm looking right at it to the left of me. Oh, fuck. I better push the link to it. Yeah, maybe you should. Come on. Yeah. Episode 119. Is that correct? Uh, possibly. I don't listen to that shit. It's kind of gay. Okay. All right. Well. There you go. If you want to find Husey, uh, all those places to listen. Appreciate his enthusiasm to come back on again. Talk about new generation uh, shenanigans. It's always cool to uh, to have you back. So uh, for me, if you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB, Instagram and Twitter. My website, IBExclusives.com. There you can find my autograph signings and all the crazy stuff I got going on over there, including grabbing a perfectly rated T-shirt from the acclaimed podcast, Get My Go. The uh, the third pressing of the perfectly rated T-shirts is underway and are on sale right now. This website is TMPTEmpire.com. All the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella, including the Vince Russo Brand Association, and the franchise Shane Douglas Triple Threat Podcast. Every week, myself, John Paz, and the franchise do it up as only the Triple Threat can. And, of course, eyes up here with Francine, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast this week, featuring one Tammy Sitch, a.k.a. Sunny, in her first post-incarceration interview, the only one she's done and probably going to do because she doesn't really want to do that much talking about this, for now at least. Uh, so we'll take it and run with it. Uh, final thoughts. I saw you were going to say something before we say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> there you go. So for uh, Mr. Husey, it's Husey goodbye. This is the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.